Hey, welcome to episode 58 of Hollywood Breaks. We welcome back Cameron Dillavu today of Amazon Prime. It's good to have her here. She is so smart and understanding what's going on in the marketplace. And she's coming from it from a marketer. She gives us an understanding of what streamers are really doing with their content and why sometimes you might not be discovering new things. Um, it might actually be your own fault. So it's a great conversation. Please enjoy and welcome to Hollywood Breaks. We have Top Gun coming back. I feel like at one point Bill and Ted was coming back. I don't know if that's still happening anymore. You guys it did. brought it came back. out. Did it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that there you go. That was a successful Matrix um, return. Talked about the Matrix. Oh, yeah, Matrix. I mean, the 90s, we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. It's just like there is a pattern of just grabbing 1990 and making it, putting it in 2020 and thinking it plays itself out. And I'm trying to think like in the 80s, did we... I guess we watch fifties esque stuff, right? I mean, there was. Yeah, there's right. There, so when you, if you if you pull out to like thirty thousand foot view, there are thirty year cycles on everything, right? There's thirty year cycles financially. There's thirty year cycles on fashion, um, and so there's really these thirty year cycles where you go back to um, what was happening then and those trends kind of come to root in a new way. And I, so I think there, there's definitely, there's that. I also think um, that when you're making the kinds of investments financially that you need to make in these movies, everyone is, you know, wanting there to be a built-in audience for things and they're looking for the closest sure thing that they can find. And so they're, <laughs> they're, you know, they're thinking that that's what it is, that it's known IP, but, What's really interesting is that um, where this will get where this will get road tested in my mind is will we get to a point where we will have a steady stream, a steady pipe of content with um, you know stars in their fifties and stars in their sixties because that is an audience that will go to the movies. That is an audience that will pay for that content. Those. Um, that content has done well in theaters historically, but there's been a fear about making that content for those audiences because everyone always wants to make it for the young. So the question is, is it is it nostalgia or is it serving to that audience who actually are going to be um, there for it? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, right, there's something smart, economically speaking, of whoever has the money is who you should target. So if, uh, if the people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s are, are sitting on cash, grab it out of their pocket and, and do something with it. Traditionally, that you they would target the that demographic to go on cruises. And now I feel like they're just trying to target us to cord cut and buy more, get more apps on our television set. Um, but they're, I think you're, yeah, I, sure, nostalgia, throwback, 30-year cycle. I get it, but I'm I'm just thinking like, you know, and okay, so I'm a child of the 80s. In the 80s, even though there was a, you know, we were watching Happy Days, right, which is a 50s-esque television show mm-hmm. playing itself out in the 80s. So that's the 30-year thing. I wasn't watching Marlon Brando on the television. I was watching people acting like they're in the 50s. Um, I feel like in the in the in the 90s and 2000s, we were um, kind of following a trend where we, they were making something different, the rom-coms and whatever. And now I feel like those are coming back, but what not, but we're not taking the rom-com actors and doing it now. Like, I think, you know, we're doing something different here. And I think um, Netflix did something interesting with Stranger Things where they pulled an 80s look, but all new stuff. So for me, like, I think there is, 
don't mind backward looking, but I think it's the grabbing the actor from 30 years ago and then having them play a role. Now it's just a little odd. We're like, I don't know if I really want to watch Bill and Ted be. Well, look at Karate Kid, right? Look at Cobra Kai. That's a great example. Oh, sure. But that is a tongue in cheek kind of thing. Yeah, but that leaned in. That 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 didn't take itself too seriously. It leaned into the ridiculousness of the original. And it was like, okay. But that's okay. But that's how they made it fresh, right? That's yeah. how they made it fresh. And sure. so if, if there are many tacks you could take to make it fresh, right? It could be a casting thing. It could be a situational thing. It could be a tongue-in-cheek look at it. Um, but it's still the IP, right? So what's the breakthrough then, though? Like, if, if, if it's just, like, dusting off old libraries... Where I think, you know, to, to be honest, I don't know, I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad play because if you have a digital platform, you basically have content for infinity. You have a very long tail. So you can have on the same platform at the same time, the original coming to America and then this coming to America uh, playing next to each other without it being a very, you know, big ask for your audience to watch it. That does make sense that you would complement it. So filling in the gaps there. I just feel like as an industry, as a trend, you know, there's got to be a movement moving forward at some point. And there are people that can and should be able to take advantage of this, this huge global shift that's taking place. And then there's right now there's this weird restriction of like, no, 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 we're actually, the decision makers aren't going to move forward. We're going to grab a movie from 1990 and actually the same actors from 1990, except for Kelly McGillis. And then we're going to, you know, make a movie about them again or something like that. I don't know. It doesn't feel like it's, it's as aggressively moving forward as, as the opportunities. Are you going to see that movie? Are you looking forward to seeing that movie? Oh yeah. Are you kidding? Of course. Yeah, so like... <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't mean, I'm not saying it's bad. It's not. Yeah. yeah. I'm just thinking. I think everyone's looking to balance their risk and we've never been in more uncertain times. Right. So I don't, you know, I think that sounds like a Marshall at, school grad right there. If you ask me, no, but it's, it's true. <laughs> yep. It's true. Yep. It's, you look across your portfolio and you think about how to balance your risk and you, portfolio. for every <laughs> risky thing that you do, you want something in there that you're like, I know there's an audience for this. This is loved IP. So I think there's a place for that. Um, but, I think it, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think it'll ever go away. I think we're going to see it forever. Um, and some of it'll be, you know, truly refreshed and, you know, great quality and and some will be less so. Well, I guess the good news is we can uh, grab a a camcorder, go to Keith's township and make Blair Witch (laughs) 2 because (laughs) you can totally totally. kill it again, right? plenty of woods over here. Didn't (laughs) they make Blair Witch 2 already? Okay, three, whatever. Three, Blair Blair Witch, the reimagining or the reboot Blair's Witch Keith's yeah. Township or whatever. Like, yeah. It tends to be like a play. <laughs> but we can grab, I mean, that's the good news is, is like we there is an opportunity if this market is playing itself out, we can pl- totally have fun with this. Yeah. But I would say, I, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, Cameron, but at the same time, it feels like it's not part of a mix. It's just all anybody does anymore. It's just try to find something. There, there's no, there. Yeah, you're right. You- so this Okay, so that's super interesting. As a marketer, that's super interesting to hear you say that. Because I wonder if the reason you're saying that is because the only things that you're paying attention to are those things that target 
you in a nostalgic way. So like you weren't aware of Cinderella or, you know. Yes, I was. Cinder- I was. Were you? Was. Cinderella's yes. been told before too, by the way. Right. No, no, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I wonder if, you know, are you, are you, you're not watching probably, you know, Rihanna in the Fenty fashion show, right? Like we, no. there is a lot of new stuff, but you're probably not aware of it because it's not being marketed to you or you may not be paying attention to it. So I wonder if it truly is that that's all there is, or if that's just the stuff we see, because it's the stuff that's marketed to us. What I'm talking about, I'm, I'm referring more to like sort of the, the stuff that seems to be coming out of the broader Hollywood in terms of series. Yes, there is the occasional um, Rihanna fashion show. Okay, great. Which is basically just Victoria's Secret with a Rihanna spin. Let's be it honest. It is so Savage X Fenty. It is much okay. different. Okay, okay, fine. I will grant you that. But <laughs> if you look at like, you know, there's Stranger Things, there's Witcher, there's Coming to America, there's Without Remorse, which is a novel from the 80s. Um, there's Halloween. Universal just paid over half a billion dollars for The Exorcist from the 70s. Yeah. Like, it just feels like to me that you're saying that it's, it's part of a mix to, calc- to mitigate against risk, which I understand but they're not taking risks anymore. They're just going with the safe bet. They're going with the IP. They're farming their libraries. There's acquisitions going out, going on out, out the yin-yang because people want libraries because they want to be able to exploit libraries. And like, ooh, let's remake this random movie from the 1950s. Yeah. I mean, I, w- when I first started in Hollywood, RKO was the rage because everybody wanted to raid the RKO library and let's start remaking all these RKO titles. Yeah. Like... Yeah. It, it, for me, it's like, it's not MGM. necessarily that, yeah, it's not necessarily that there isn't new content out there per se. It's just a lot of the stuff that's being pushed out broadly is just rehashed IP. It's the same stuff because they don't want to take the risk. So how would you characterize that? So um, interesting news from this week is the Netflix acquisition of the Roald Dahl rights. Yes. Correct. Um, so would you think about that as rehashing? I mean, I think they're obviously going to come out with um, new and exciting things that build on some of the IP. So would you characterize that as nostalgic or would you characterize that as new? Well, that, that I mean, it depends on what they do with it. What I'm saying is like there are ways to reinterpret certain classics that will yeah. just be around regardless, right? There's, there's certain timeless stories that are always going to be told. Macbeth, for example has been told a million times over, and now it looks like this new version from Ethan Cohen is basically going to rock the Oscars. Five, five, Joel, thank you, Joel. Well, you know, dominate the Oscars, and it's retelling of a classic tale. Like, there are things that can be retold in different ways, and you can rebuild stories, and there's probably, there's definitely a universe. Royal Dahl is a fantastic storyteller with a spectacular imagination. There's so many stories that have not been tapped. But I think that's a little different than rehashing a comedy from the 80s starring Eddie Murphy or mm. reliving Top Gun 2 when half your cast is pot-bellied and old. And it's just, you know, there, there's a difference. I think there's a, a drastic difference between that. I mean, it, I understand. That's what makes a classic uh, yeah. a classic. That was, yeah, yeah. That's what makes a classic. Yeah. And it, Cameron, that's a good question, though. Like, I think there's there is a challenge to ask ourselves of like, are we pushing classics 
like Bill and Ted are not necessarily classics. That's you know kind of fun to fun to do, and why not do it or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I kind of liked your challenge of the thought of there are new things happening, right? We we have um, we might have just a certain blinders on to looking at the type of entertainment that we've been accustomed to, television and film, and we're not necessarily looking at video game and. Um, TikTok kind of platforms or the conversation I had a couple of weeks ago, just what the NFT space is doing in the mm-hmm. entertainment space. And it's not just yeah. making collectibles, but there are people are gamifying that entire process mm-hmm. as well. It's very interesting to see it play out. Um, and are we yeah. just missing it in a way? Like, are we becoming the Lawrence Welk watchers of, of, <laughs> of our generation instead of, you know, like wondering, wow. our kids going like, what, why yes. are these people watching this at all? Because yeah. of where you look yeah. like the old people trying to find, you know, the latest um, remake of a movie. I mean, one of the things that we concentrate a lot on um, at video is actually trying to tell the stories that haven't been told and looking for those stories. So that actually is like a, that is a driving force in our um, content pipeline and whether that's um, partnering with um, you know new voices in IP or you know we we are trying to uncover those um, and that usually is in the form of stories that don't get told because it's you know underserved audiences or you know people who haven't been represented um, well on the service you know there's always room for sort of the broad action flick, but we've made a conscious effort to, to put things into the pipeline that are stories that might not have been told um, if we were still in a non-streaming world, right? If we were in a, a world where everything had to be on the, on the big stream. I mean, that's sort of the beauty of a streaming service is that you can so precisely find your audience for things and, and also listen to your audience and what they want and what they like and give them that. Um, and that's that feedback loop that you kind of didn't have on the theatrical side. And so I do think that we are trying to do that. Um, and that's why I kind of challenge, like, is it just that we don't see those because they're not hitting our consciousness? Yeah. Either the, the marketing messages aren't hitting our consciousness or we're not aware of, of those creators or we don't find them relevant to us for some reason. Like I challenge the consumer to say like, oh, you have you just not seen that stuff because it's not you know, resonating with you. So sadly, you're really kind of saying to us, the reason why we're giving you these movies is because you want them. (laughs) We've, we've actually targeted you and you said, this is what you want to watch. So we made that movie for you. And like, Oh, we're holding ourselves back. That's an interesting, that's a very interesting kind of angle at what is the challenge here. Yeah. Right. We know how, I mean, all of the streamers know how long everyone is, you know, engaging with, with the IP. Right. So is it something that people are starting and not finishing? Is it pe- something that people are watching all the way through? Um, where are we losing people? I mean, it's, you know, that's the beauty of the of the data. And so, you know, we really are trying to serve up uh, a much broader array of content so that you do have that selection um, from the service. You feel like you're getting value in that selection and you don't just have like the same old, you know, IP over and over. Yeah. Very cool. But what would you say, Cameron, about the complaint that a lot of people make about a lot of these services that when you make a movie with a streaming service, you end up being a tile and they move on to the next one? And how do, how do you make that content discoverable? Because I will say this. I was on Amazon Prime yesterday, and your UI is probably one of the most confusing user interfaces between all the streamers. 
Yeah. And it's diff- it's difficult to discern what's new, what's what's what I'm going to have to pay for and I support the and I love the idea of you know these streamers that have just boku bucks like you know the Irishman would have never been made if Netflix hadn't stepped up and thrown money at it. There are a lot of movies that would have never been made because the studios were too scared to invest in them. Yeah. So I I understand the benefit of the streamers absolutely, but the big knock against them is they're just you're just you, you become a tile and then they move on to the next one because they you need the content like you said, you need the content, you need to feed the beast. You need to reduce the churn. You need to keep, you know, listen, you as prime members, you get a lot more for your buck than Netflix, right? You're not just getting video you're also getting the two-day yeah. free shipping which is a huge benefit to a lot of people and it makes yeah. it worth it whereas yeah. netflix is just providing content and as tim will say most of it is below <laughs> standard yeah. but at the same time how how do you how do you handle that that it's just it, there's so much and there was a survey out not too long ago i think it was this week where some people because they are cord cutting are comfortable having like eight streaming services at the same time yeah so how does that content become discoverable to the point where it actually makes an impact? Yeah. So I think that's a real, so I would actually, I would argue that you, your content, if you're a creator has a much likelier chance of being discovered by an audience who will want to watch it on a streaming service. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, because you'll see they'll we're able to target profiles, right? We're able to target based on what people now that doesn't, that's not to say that backwards looking predictive data is always right. Um, but it's much more likely that, you know, let's say an obscure little release would be released theatrically. It would get, you know, some small digital campaign to support it. No one's ever going to see that. No one's Mm -hmm. ever even going to know it's there. It's out of the theater. It's got one facing in home entertainment. No one's ever going to see that content ever. But if you're an audience that wants to watch that content and you're on a streaming service and it, if the, you know, if the algorithm is working the way it should, it will find you, it will find you. And so that's, I mean, that's the hope. Sounds like a tagline from a horror movie. (laughs) No, but I mean, that's, that's the hope, right? Is because we want to serve people up stuff that they want to watch. Right. Right. That's our, our vested interest is, we want people to be satisfied and happy with the content that we are offering them. So it's in our best interest to give them things that they're interested in. Uh, and so when you say it's it's sort of a tile, I agree with your point. Like the UI, um, UIs could always be more streamlined, in my opinion. Like, yep. um, and and maybe even streamlined is not the right word. Maybe just more intuitive. you know, and everyone likes their content served up different ways. Like my husband and I always joke, I think I've talked about it on this podcast before. Like he will scroll. It will scroll. I was like, where's the scrolling channel? Like all you want to do is look at the menus. Like he will (laughs) look at the options until he falls asleep. Like he likes that, you know, he likes that sense of like, there's so much here. Meanwhile, I'm like, there's 11 minutes until I fall asleep. Like, let's get, (laughs) let's get something on here. Right. Um, And so I think the, you know, the more you can know your customer, understand how, what they want to see, how they act on the service, um, you know, what they want to watch. It's in our best interest to make sure that they are getting things that are most interesting to them. And our job too, is this, this discovery that you talk about. Like we also want to serve up things that 
are these like delightful discoveries, you know, that, that aren't maybe something that they've heard of, but are things that are just gems kind of to be uncovered because that also is a great benefit of streaming. It's like, if you're, you know, if you're in, you're, you're totally right about that, by the way. I mean, if there is um, the top 40 kind of format where somebody else decides what the top 40 songs are going to be, and they just are played over and over and over again, television definitely had that kind of feature before OTT platforms and the long tail approach. Um, so there is, there are careers being made, isn't there? And, and filmmakers and content makers getting an opportunity where before it would be so limited just in, in the, the viewing space, either in theaters or, or on a, you know, even in a blockbuster video, there's only so much shelf space to put videos. So there wasn't even a possible huge long tail in a video store. Um, so you're right. I think that shift probably adds to a different frustration. This benefit leads to the frustration you're talking to, which is the what to watch problem. Mm-hmm. And therefore, maybe why we go to coming to America too is because we know we kind of know what we're going to get, opposed to the other million titles where I'm not really sure if it's worth the investment, especially if it's a Netflix original, it's not worth the investment to to watch it for 15 minutes. <laughs> I think too, people there are different kinds of consumers, right? So there are consumers who want to be the ones, the first ones to discover things. And then there are consumers who wait to hear about it and get on the bandwagon. Um, I think as, as a marketer, you know, I, I just want people to start with prime video, right? I want them to sit down on their couch and I want them to turn on prime video. And I, when I, when they do that, I want them to think I'm going to turn this on because I know I'm going to find something I like whether it's a movie, whether it's a discovery, whatever I'm there for, I want them to start with prime video because I want them to believe that they're going to be satisfied. So that's as a marketer, like that's my driving force. So whether they're coming for a a big movie um, and then they say, you know, we, we get a lot of acquisition that way, right? People come for a big movie and they go, Oh my God, I didn't know how much amazing content there is here. So that actually, um, you know, that, that is a, a, a mechanism that you bring people in to drive that discovery um, and to drive that perception of value. So, and I, and you know, all the streaming services do that. So they're saying, you know, it's kind of, and the same thing, you know, in a way with um, for home and in home entertainment for years, it was like, you know, here are things that are on sale. If you like this, you might also like this, right. That was driving discovery. So streamers are driving discovery and they have a lot better data and maybe they're driving it with a big nostalgic vehicle. That's just bringing people to the service. Cause they'll, it'll get them to start their, Oh, sit down. Oh, I heard about this, you know, Cobra Kai. I don't know if it's good. I don't know. Let's check it out. They watch it for five minutes and then they're like, let's find something else, but they're on Netflix. Right. Yeah, that's right. So, Well, it's interesting. You bring up the, you know, the maximum maximizing the value because that's some of the conversations that have gone, we talked a little bit about last week about the changes over at Paramount and Brian Robbins stepping in, going to goose up Paramount Plus. And even though some of Netflix's content is not top shelf, it maximizes the value that a subscriber is getting because there's just so much content available. Um, and, and when you say sort of like finding, you know, helping people discover and um, realize the value they're getting. You know, it's interesting because you guys had the Tomorrow War, which was really sort of your big first huge release. Um, And obviously, when you have big releases like that, how it does sort of sometimes drives the perception that it's a must-see event. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you had, for example, Black Widow, Disney Plus released some of their numbers this past week. Um, Ted uh, Sarandos at Netflix mm-hmm. finally released two slides of data. Um, at Which Tara have been Swisher's. everywhere. It's like plastered all over know, everywhere. Like, like, oh my god, they opened the, peak, they opened the window! What? I mean, it's been nothing in my LinkedIn feed but that slide for like, I know, the, you know. The two slides. Week. It's like, woo, woo, two minutes. They watched two minutes. Yeah. Um, is there an anticipation that, you know, I mean, obviously Netflix is responding to pressure that it's starting to feel from its investors. We need to really know how the, some of this stuff is doing. You can't be in debt forever. At a certain point, you've got to start justifying that you're actually doing as well as you say you are. Um, and obviously Amazon has a million other things going on, so there might not be that kind of pressure, but it sort of spirals back to the idea of making it discoverable. And when you have a movie that's perceived as a hit, then people will want to see it. Do you think that Amazon may eventually start like with tomorrow or, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think you released any numbers. You just said it was a hit and that was it which studios obviously hate that you guys are able to do that because they can't do that. But do you see, foresee that, to your point about making it discoverable and sort of giving you know, an opportunity for other voices yeah. to be found in content, do you f- see that Amazon might use that as a strategy? Granted, it is an old school studio strategy, but it does work. So do you foresee that potentially being part of the, the marketing? Yeah, I mean, I think there's two things that work there, right? There's the what you touched on one is just like lack of transparency on Netflix. And that is a, that is a business facing issue <laughs> that is yeah. a driver for them. Um, I think on our side, the way we think about it, like it comes back to the customer every time. Right. So we think about, you know, do customers want to feel like they're part of something bigger? Do they want to feel like they're part of a, you know, a cultural moment? Yeah, they do. And so, um, that's when we figure out what the right message or if there's a message at all to be to be said. Like, hey, we just, you know, and, and a lot of it, honestly, a lot of the comms that you'll see come out are like, you know, thanking Prime members for, you know, enjoying a piece of content so much. So it's really like, this is something that really resonated with you. We heard that. We saw that. So like, thank you for letting us know that that's how you feel about it. Um, and I do see that, you know, we, especially with some of, um, the younger demographics or some of the underserved demographics, like the community piece and the cultural relevance piece are really important, um, obviously. And so we drive a lot of conversation on social so that people will feel like, um, they're part of something, they're part of that community, they're commenting on it, they're engaged. And I think that is more important to us than saying like, this is the biggest thing ever. Like we're not super chest thumpy, but we do want people to feel like they're part of a cultural moment um, that they can share with other people and they can connect with other people. And, and, you know, it's not just uh, they've watched the content and they're done. They're moving on. They've watched the content and they're moved to action, whether it's like, they're going to dig deeper in the IP. They're going to reach out and comment on something. They're going to ask a question. They're going to engage with the social platform. Like that's really our North star is to say, you know, we're making content that's driving people to do something aside from just watching it because that there's value in that. I love that. That's kind of what the blockbuster water cooler talk phenomenon was, right? We all knew we were watching Friends on Thursday night, or we all yeah. knew we were going to watch that uh, movie over the weekend. So come come Monday, there was something to talk about. And that stickiness that some content really has in your mind, 
and in your heart and you want to go do something, it's very frustrating to be moved by a documentary and then you're the one in work trying to re-explain the entire thing because no one has seen it. They didn't even know it was out there. And you just feel like you can't get, get the momentum like a like a cultural event was. And that this spreading out of the the audience into so many different circuits and channels and whatever, where there is something disconnected in, in that cultural sharing mm-hmm. um, everywhere. Like the, yeah. I mean, the, our whole culture is this way from politics yeah. to entertainment that we're feeling it a lot. Yeah, there's more, that's, you know, there's value to the consumer in being part of that conversation. And there's value to them in feeling like they're finding their people, especially in fan IP um, and, it can, you know, connecting them and giving that, you know, really sort of treating them like a, a member of the creator community in a way. Um, and we've talked about this, you know, forever. We talked about it when I was at Fox on franchises, like how do you bring the, the fan in um, to, you know, build on the community. And we've had endless conversations about, you know, the right way to do that. Um, but I think the value is, is, you know, you're moved as a consumer to do something after you watch a piece of content. And um, that that's like a value cycle, right? So whether they, you know, for the prime video example, they, they, you know, watch something, they can, listen to, you know, an audiobook on Audible, they can buy something from retail, they, you know, there's so many options um, to kind of go deeper with the experience. And we think that has a lot more value than being like, we're number one. And so that's kind of, you'll see our um, communications more oriented that way. Well, that's smart. So in that, and to some degree, as an outsider, you don't get to see it then. If you're not in that communication cycle, then you there's moments happening and you're it's hard to participate if you haven't kind of clicked the button or watched the film or something. It could be like we we take accessibility really seriously. So I think when you think about like the broad beats in the campaign, so a trailer drop or a first look, like there are really broad beats there where people can, you know, we can invite people in to like or you know comment or share. Um, and then we know who those people are so that we can give them more of what they want to see. So there are lots of these beats that are welcoming enough, especially when we think about some of um, our sci-fi franchises where we we want to be true to those fans and serve them things that they'll think like, wow, this is really cool and really you know niche and really speaks to me. But we also want to be accessible. That doesn't mean we're it's for everybody. It just means like, hey, if you don't know about this, we'll invite you in if you want to be a part of it because it's cool and interesting. Um, and then, you know, you can participate in, you know, whatever way that you want, but, um, you try to make it, you know, as accessible as possible because yeah. you don't want it to be closed. Uh, and you want people to just like with going back to discovery, right? You want people to discover it and bring new perspectives and tell other people about it and talk about it. And you want it to be thought provoking. So we try to, you know, make sure that the campaign has a mix of, of those elements. Yeah. What a challenge. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say yeah, I, w- I will say that you're you're really hit a the the idea of engaging with community throughout the life cycle of a franchise or an IP was always a sort of big problem for us at Fox. We would release an X Men movie, we'd spend all this money building up all these followers, and then we ignore them for three years until the next one came out, and then be like, "Hey, new movie coming out! No, we haven't talked to you in three years and given you any sort of content or any interaction, but hey!" And it's an assistant sitting there typing on Facebook. So <laughs> I, I really appreciate that aspect of it. 
What I will ask is, it's interesting, you know, you you have the sort of Tolkien series that's coming out, and, you know, there's been precedent of oh, how much you guys paid for that, yada, yada, yada. Um, but The Tomorrow War was an acquisition from Paramount, and that was a big movie. Do you foresee a Prime doing, like, a big, like, I know two, what was it, two years ago, you guys went on a buying spree at Sundance and bought, like, half the movies. Most of them, I don't think, did particularly well. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but do you foresee that being a part of the mix? Because it doesn't seem like we know Netflix spends a crap load of money on mm-hmm. their movies. We know that Disney Plus is going to spend a ton of money on some of their movies that are going to potentially on Disney Plus. We don't know what Peacock's going to do. Apple TV just snugged up the George Clooney, Brad Pitt movie. But what's interesting to me is you guys don't ever seem to ever be in those conversations. So I'm wondering, are you just sort of sitting back and saying, like, we'll wait and see what happens? Or are you are you saying that you feel that series are the best way to sort of interact with your community? No, I, I don't. I don't think um, I don't think we're sitting back and waiting. I, and I don't think that we are um, oriented more towards series than movies. I think what our strategy is not just like, we're going to outspend. Like that's not our strategy. Um, Definitely not. And so I think our strategy is, you know, we make content and buy content that our members want to see. Um, And so there may be a movie that everyone else is scrambling to buy. um, That is just not something that we need or want for our customers. Um, so, you know, obviously we want big IP, we like big stars, but we also look at our portfolio. We know what audiences that we want to talk to and we know what audiences we currently have on the service and who we need to acquire. And then we look at our whole portfolio and we say, do we have the pipeline to serve those customers, current and potential? Um, and that's how we determine, you know, it, do we need to spend this to buy this? Do we need to bring more in? You know, where are we short? We look at, you know, across time continuum and say, do we have a constant pipeline to satisfy these customers? And yes or no. And if we have a gap, then we go, you know, buy or make something for that audience. But that's how we think about it. It's not just like, oh my God, there's a movie with big talent. We're going to run out. And like, we, we are not, that's not what we do. And I think, and I think since you said that, what it kind of postulates an idea in my head, I think a large part of that is because most of prime video is not, you could correct me if I'm wrong, are not former studio people like you are, but you're home entertainment. We go to like Apple TV plus it's all former studio people. So they salivate at the opportunity to work with like a, mm. uh, George Clooney or a Brad Pitt M- much to Tim often talks a lot about this with, you know, his show launcher. See, I'm going to do a little pitch for you, Tim. There you go. Thank and you. He says, <laughs> he says that you should, before you even pitch a show, you got to know who your audience is. Versus just, I want to make this show and go find an audience. Mm. You know who your audience is ahead of time. And it seems to me that's exactly what you're saying. You're like, we know our audience. We know what they want. We're not going to run after something if we don't necessarily have a need for it. Whereas like a Netflix or an Apple TV or Peacock, they're all like salivating at all this stuff because they feel they need it. And, you know, as I said earlier, it may also be partially because there's that studio exec need to go home to their small town and say, I worked on a movie with George Clooney, you know, it's just like that sort of desire to do that. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. We do it. We have a fair number of studio people now. I think definitely in the last couple of years, we have, we have much better studio representation. But I actually think it's more about, you know, it comes back to branding and, and sort of positioning. It's like, what's your what's your streaming brand strategy? So Netflix is about volume, right? They're a volume play. Um, and so they that's sort of how I think they approach everything. That's how they approach, you know, they're like, that's why they have to spend at the levels they do. You know, they're about having everything. Um, and, you know, Apple TV's positioning was probably still to shake out a bit, but, you know, they're clearly more curated. Um, they've clearly, you know, they're, they're going to take a little bit of a different bent. I don't know if you ask consumers, like, talk to me about Apple TV's positioning versus like someone else <laughs> that they would be able to articulate right. that. Um, but I do think that, you know, Prime Video, I just feel like we take a, uh, not a niche curated approach, but again, like we take an approach that we want to make, we want to have content for our customers. We want what people want to see. And we also want to bring them the value in discovering, you know, content that they may not have been able to come across before. So there's that discovery piece. Yeah. Um, but you know, I wouldn't just because you don't hear about us in those conversations doesn't mean we're not there. We tend to be a little more stuck. Um, so, mm, you know, like we're it. again, like we're not big chest thumpers. Um, right. and, uh, that's not really been our strategy either. So if you look at some of the streaming, you know, companies, PR strategies, it's really, you know, been about, um, you know, being very vocal about what they are and aren't doing and, and having that in the trades. And that's, you know, never been our strategy. Um, and so I think you can assume that if there's content that we think our customers want to see and or needs to be made for an audience that we either have or want to go after, then we'll figure out a way to get it. Yeah, I think you're... Very cool. To, if, from a consumer point of view, I think your strategy is working. When I... When I'm thinking about sitting down and watching content, I'm now starting to learn which platform to start with, just based on my mood. Um, yeah. So there is something. There's really great stuff happening on Hulu. The there's only murders in the building and that kind of stuff. That's it's a, it's a really fun kind of thing that they're creating. But a lot of Hulu for me, it just doesn't doesn't stick somewhere. Um, but I often start with when I think about starting with Prime. I'm thinking about I'm watch. I want to see if a film is on there first. I have access to films I don't have on any other platforms. So I look at that first. Um, I think this, do you guys drop stars? Is that what happened? Didn't, did something happen with uh, one of your partnerships that? Yeah, it was uh, HBO Max. Oh, HBO Max. Yeah. HBO Max. HBO Max. Yeah. 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 I think to your point. So um, that when it, that's channels is a big piece of that mix. Right. And yeah. um, you know, Hulu does have a really good bundle. So, you know, when you think about, sitting down and turning it on the same way you used to sit down and turn on linear TV or cable TV. You're like, it's all here somewhere, right? It's all here somewhere. I just have to find it. Um, and if you looked at my Google search, it, it's like, all you see is, you know, where can I find insert name? Where is, you know, episode 20 of Daniel Tiger where, and you they'll know, tell you which platforms have it, which one do you pay for it? Which yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where's the one where his goldfish dies? Like that, that's all my Google searches right there. Um, but I think channels brings to brings this, you know, cable replacement um, to the party because it's, it's bringing, um, you know, 
all of those, you know, like, oh, okay, I get my, you know, I got my HBO subscription. I got my, you know, we have in my house, we have BritBox um, so that, you know, we can watch English shows, you know, that the, you can get all of the things that there may be an obscure channel that may or may not have been in your cable package through channels. Um, so that again, it all goes back to the assurance that if you sit down and you start with prime video, whatever you want is going to be there somewhere. Yeah. Now, Keith, to your point, we could do a better job being clear about, do I have to rent it? Do I have to buy it? Is it included with my my subscription? Like, what do I have to do? Where does it sit? Um, because there is, there's friction there for sure. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we know it, we work on it. Um, but it's sort of the, the downside of an upside, which is having such a broader universe of options versus a Netflix where everything's included, but like, they don't have like, they're not going to have live sport. They're not going to have, you know, a lot of things. So it's, it's definitely something that um, we need to get better at. It's a friction point for the customer. We all know it. We all feel it. We're all customers. Um, so that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's real. That, that is true. Then it could be, you guys could be the place where I could tune first, where I still feel like I have to jump between live stuff on Hulu. I never go to Netflix. I think that's the one I think there's going to be a new term. Like there's a cable cutting term. And then I think there's going to be another term of like tired of Netflix. Streaming cutting. Like, yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. Streaming, streamlining. Yeah. yeah. Stream, yeah. Streaming, streamlining. streamlining. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. Streamlining. Yeah, that one's that's a waste what's going to be right called. Yeah, if they raise the rates <laughs> one more time, I'm going to be so done with with that one because I barely go do it anyway. And I, Grandma watches it at my house, so that's why I have it. So she has something pretty safe to watch. They, I mean, every so people are pretty savvy. Consumers are pretty savvy, and people do do the calculation. Like, hey, I want to watch Ted Lasso. I'm going to do a three month subscription on Apple TV, and then I'm there's nothing else on there I want. I'm out. Yeah. Right? They do they customers constantly do this um, calculation. They're very savvy. So they're like, I'll get it for three months. I'll cancel. Right. Yeah. And, and they're, toggling. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're toggling between all these streamers for that one show. And so that's why it's so important to be the one that they just sit down and turn on and then find what they love because otherwise you're just, you're where they go to watch a show and that's it. And that's not what we want for our customers. That's not the best. You guys are so different because you're included in my free shipping package. I mean, I feel like, I feel like you're an add on to something I'm never going to get rid of anyway, because, because I'm using prime for shipping where the, where your competitors have to keep my interest because I don't have the additional benefits. So you are like myself, you, you came to prime for the shipping benefits and that's the majority of the customers in the U S internationally. We are an entertainment first service in the prime bundle in a lot of markets. So mm-hmm. it's, we come before shipping, we come before retail. And so it's interesting. Well, to they're be- missing out because the shipping's one of the best benefits. Yeah, it's the best benefit. <laughs> well, and it's funny because as you start to sell, it's, it's hard both ways from a communication standpoint, because those two things don't have anything in common, right? So you're like, we're a great entertainment company. Also, you get free shipping from, you know, all these things, sure. hard message, also hard message to be like, Hey, you love our free shipping, but also amazing entertainment, really difficult. Right. Um, and so as, you know, working with the the prime team thinking about, and those obviously aren't the two, only two benefits you get um, within prime. There's like 120 benefits in prime, most that people don't know about, but it's like, what's the overall 
communication. No one's going to sit down and start with Prime Video because they get free shipping, right? Yeah. So it sounds like what you need to do for our audience is write out the other 118 items that I'm not taking advantage of. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure we would be those. very viral <laughs> if guys, you gave us the other Guys, benefits. just go to the homepage. Go to the homepage. It's all there. It's I've all there. I've been to the homepage. All I see is something okay, I looked up a week you. ago. Oh my gosh. There's, there's, there's photo storage. I'm going to send you all the things. Yeah. Photo storage. Yes, please do. Oh, photo storage. Really? Free, free oh, wow. photo, photo storage. Yeah, it's amazing, you guys. There's such unlocked value. Get in there. Wow, there we go. Well, apparently, we're- that actually scares me that there's another place to put my photos. I don't know where my photos are <laughs> right now. I don't know. What's doing. Yeah. All right, we got to wrap up. We're gonna have to have a, a separate, separate, separate episode just to go through all the 118 benefits that we apparently don't know about. Yep. <laughs> hey, congratulations on your little one, by the way. I don't oh, think we said you. that. Top here, of here. Hour, so. Thank you. So, so awesome. You're glowing. You must just love this moment. It's the blur on Zoom, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're uh, you're going back to work soon. So that's a uh, couple of weeks. Yeah. Wow. It's exciting. It's Transition exciting. back. Now is going back to work just like turning on the work computer, not for conference calling, but for or not for watching video, but what for conference calling because you're staying at home? Yeah, it's actually going to, it's going to be a whole reconfiguration of my, of my, our, of our living space. Because before we had the little one, I was working out of my bedroom office. Um, uh. And now that's a bedroom bedroom. So um, I don't, I, what exciting place in the house am I going to work from? I don't know. Still to be, still to be um, so imagined. I may, may, may got- move outside. Um, for part of the day, That's but cool. yeah, we'll see. It's, yeah. it's been funny. The whole, um, you know, working from home for a couple of years has, has, I've utilized every inch of space at home. <laughs> yeah, so, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. <laughs> Pretty awesome. Well, congratulations to you. Right, and we're you. glad to have you back here too. So, Anytime. I love coming to talk to you guys. Yeah. You're awesome. Well, that's that's it for our show. I mean, here's what I'm going to say. If you want to know what the other 118 items are, you have to go to our website or our Instagram feed and make sure Lydia makes that, <laughs> publishes it out there. So, uh, And then make sure you thank Cameron on your Twitter feed when you are subscribed for those other 118 items. because Or at least share the photos from your photo sharing software. Exactly. I don't know what it would be. Right. There you go. There you go. Love it. I love it. Uh, we appreciate you. You have a great year. Blessings to you and your baby. Thank you so much. Of course. Later, Keith. See ya.